When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Thursday, April 21st, and this is People Every Day. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. It's me, Janine Rubenstein. Congrats on making it to Thursday. Just one more day until the weekend. We've got another jam-packed show for you. So let's get into what's been swirling around out there in the news. The rumors are true. Last night on The Masked Singer, Rudy Giuliani was revealed to be one of the contestants. Oh my goodness! Former Associate Attorney General, former Mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani! Rudy Giuliani, former mayor of New York and lawyer to Donald Trump, was revealed as the Jack in a Box. And the judges had, let's say, varying reactions. Well, Mr. Giuliani, with all of the controversy that's surrounding you right now, I think it surprises us all that you're here on The Masked Singer. Why? Me too, me too. (laughs) Jenny McCarthy appeared to be excited. Nicole Scherzinger asked, is that Robert Duvall? Robin Thicke was shocked. While Ken Jeong stood arms crossed. Shots of the room show audience members standing confused with mouths agape, with some spectators covering their faces with their hands. And then as the unmasked Giuliani began to sing Bad to the Bone, which is a strange choice for a completely different set of reasons, Kim Jong walked off the set. When asked by host Nick Cannon why he wanted to be on the show in the first place, Giuliani said, I guess the main reason is I just had a granddaughter, Grace, and I want her to know that you should try everything, even things that are completely unlike you and unlikely. Giuliani's presence on the show was reported a few months back, and it appears the reveal was just as divisive as reported. Moving on to some baby talk. Katniss Everdeen is a mom. (laughs) Academy Award winner Jennifer Lawrence and her husband, New York City-based art gallerist Cook Maroney, were spotted out on a stroll with their newborn. Back in September, people confirmed that J-Law and Maroney were expecting. While we don't yet know the newborn's name, it's not surprising. Late last year, Lawrence told Vanity Fair that she planned to protect her child's privacy as much as possible. Previously, a source told People that Jen wanted a family for a long time and found an ideal mate whom she loves, respects, and enjoys being around. And that, quote, she loves married life and they have a solid foundation for a baby. She is very happy and looking forward to being a mom. Well, congrats to the two new parents. Now, a few more details surrounding a famous dad-to-be. More information about the arrest of rapper and Rihanna's boyfriend, ASAP Rocky, has trickled out. The Praise the Lord rapper, 33, was photographed leaving a Los Angeles jail Wednesday evening. As we reported yesterday on the show, Rocky was arrested at LAX in connection with a November 2021 shooting. According to court records, he has been charged with assault with a deadly weapon, which is a felony. His bail was set at $550,000, according to court records. While a rep for Rocky didn't immediately respond to people's requests for comment, we will continue to keep you guys updated as 
as this story unfolds. I, for one, am just wishing peace and love upon Rihanna, who is likely due to have their little one any day now. All right, and now it's time to turn our attention to the big news bubbling up in the world of reality television. Well, my jaw dropped when I saw this next story. Real Housewives of Atlanta star Nene Leakes is suing Bravo, Andy Cohen, and the Real Housewives of Atlanta production companies on accounts of racism and a hostile work environment. According to the Associated Press, the filing alleges, quote, NBC, Bravo, and True, which is the production company behind the shows, foster a corporate and workplace culture in which racially insensitive and inappropriate behavior is tolerated, if not encouraged. Well, this is all coming in the middle of a rough year for Nini, who lost her husband, Greg, to colon cancer in September. So joining me now to break it all down is People Editor and Bravo Scholar, the man wrote the book on the shows, Dave Quinn. Hey, Dave. Hey, Janine, good to see you. Well, you know, Bravo and Housewives, inside and out, not all diamonds and rosé, the inside story of The Real Housewives from the people who lived it, that book. Everyone who doesn't have it, pick up a copy. Dave pinned it. But this lawsuit, tell us what's happening here and what else is she claiming? Well, Nene has been very, you know, obviously a, a pillar of The Real Housewives of Atlanta franchise since its premiere, but has been very vocal about her anger towards the experience when she left the show back in 2020. So she's been very honest about not being happy about that. A few months ago, she was asking for a reconciliation and hopes to come back to the show. But this lawsuit just dropped yesterday, I think, kind of puts an end to that. She is claiming essentially that she was mistreated by the network, by her producers, including Andy Cohen, who's an executive producer on the show, and the folks at Truly Original. And she's claiming that they created this experience where she would be complaining about to them about the mistreatment she was receiving on their air from her co-star Kim Zolciak Bierman, and that they basically did nothing to help her. And so back in January, former Real Housewives of Salt Lake City star Jenny Nguyen was fired due to racial social media posts. Do you think that had an effect on Nini's decision to kind of move forward with this lawsuit? I definitely think that the network is in a position right now where they are having to answer to some of the bad behavior that existed on the shows for so long. The interesting thing about the Jenny situation is that all of the incidences that led to Jenny's firing had to do with things that happened off of the show. And it's left fans really confused to kind of where the line here is, because there have been reports that Ramona Singer, for example, said some racially insensitive things. She's denied that, but there have been reports that there was an investigation into that. When the network seems to make these decisions about letting go and moving away from Housewives, it always seems to be when there are things that have happened off the show, not on the show. Yeah, well, let's talk about some of the things that happened on the show that I know fans are kind of sifting out and resurfacing right now as this all comes up. Looking back on Real Housewives of Atlanta specifically, I mean, season one, let's talk about that, that barbecue that was an incident that Nini called out by name in her lawsuit. It's a scene in which Kim Zolciak is talking about why she didn't want to attend Deshaun Snow's barbecue. And she makes a claim and she says, you know, I didn't want to be eating chicken. I don't want to sit around with Nini and eat chicken. 
And when Reunion asked Kim about that and was very upset about what she said, and Kim claimed that it had absolutely nothing to do with race, that she wasn't making a racial remark, that, you know, even though they had, I believe, lamb <laughs> at that barbecue, she was just making kind of a casual, this is what you eat at barbecue remarks. And the one I remember that, I mean, caught on like wildfire was Kim's claim that Nini's house had roaches, right? She lives in a f***ing roach nest. Her and her daughter are disgusting. She wants to pull the race card. It sounds very racial when you talk about roaches. The whole family is racist. That was a huge situation. This all went down at the season 10 reunion. Kim had joined the show for the first time in a long time as a friend of that season. And at the opening party at Nini's house, Kim's daughter, Brielle, had been there. And when she was in the bathroom, had posted a video of bugs that were in her bathroom. Later on, Kim called out that video saying that Nini lived in a roach nest. Of course, that has racial implications as was again explained at the reunion very clearly to Kim. And so Kim Zosiak was not named in the suit. Do we have any sense as to why that might be and, and, and what the status of their relationship is today? Well, what's so interesting is the two of them joined the show right in the beginning. They were close friends. They had multiple falling outs over the year. Kim left the show in season five. Then they were slated to do a spinoff together at a certain point, but that fell through. Uh, Kim rejoined the show. There was supposed to be like a road trip show, kind of like The Simple Life, but with Nini and Kim. When Kim rejoined the show in season 10, obviously at the end of that reunion, I believe Andy even asked them, is there any any future for your friendship. And they were both like, no way, absolutely no way. And of course, you know, Nini once again accusing Kim at that reunion of being racist and Kim denying that she was racist. But here's what happened. After Nini's husband, Greg, died, Kim reached out to her again. And the two have since kind of rebuilt their friendship. And the, the interesting thing about this is that Nini is actually still following Kim on social media. Let's talk about Bravo and Andy Cohen. What are we hearing? The claims that Nini is essentially making in the lawsuit is that she lost her job because of this sort of thing, that she has really left the show and had had to deal with the repercussions of not being a part of this. And every single day wakes up kind of feeling hurt by the way that she was treated and mistreated. And I do want to bring up a Real Housewives of New York star claimed some similar stuff recently, right? Ebony K. Williams has been vocal about some of the bad experiences that she received on the show as the first Black housewife. This lawsuit brings up a lot of questions. In one sense, this is a job, right? So shouldn't the network and the producers be providing a safe work environment for all who work there? I'm also curious and have pretty big questions about what this means and implies for other housewives in the future, because we've seen so much bad behavior on the show. I mean, it's, that's what it's built around, almost. Yeah, it's built around conflict and resolution. And could other housewives sue for things that happened to them? Some of them have been physically attacked by other housewives. Some of them have been humiliated. They've had scandals of their lives exposed. I, I'm not really sure what this will mean. But I cannot imagine that a company as big as NBC and Bravo would go to litigation with this. The discovery alone, my goodness. When it comes to Nini, she herself has been 
painted as a villain for years. She has had just just a, a, a an interesting run in terms of fans and and people, you know, coming up against her, issues with other. So how how do you think this is sitting with fans considering her backstory? The thing that I've learned about the Housewives fans is that there are always going to be people who love you and always going to be people who hate you and oftentimes they're for the exact same reasons. I think that there is no arguing that Nini was a, and is a trailblazer in reality television. But I do think that towards the end of her tenure on the show, it was very clear that she was unhappy about a lot of things. There were arguments, and much of this played out in reunions, that she wasn't being paid as much of her other co-stars, and that she did not feel like, you know, she was not participating in the same way. So I know that a lot of fans feel that she was pretty checked out towards the end. And I think that has kind of left a bad taste in some of their mouths. For me, I will always love her. I think that she, you know, again, has just been such an incredible reality star. And no matter what happens with this lawsuit, I, I really just wish her peace. Wow. Well, this is quite the story. And Dave, as Nini would say, buy a wig. <laughs> I, I live for it. Close your legs to married men will always be my favorite Nini quote. She's an icon. You may know him from his time on MTV's The Real World, Philadelphia, and you definitely know him from his moving words of encouragement on Netflix's Queer Eye. But coming up, we're sitting down for an exclusive interview with Karamo Brown to talk about his newest talk show. But first, 96 years ago today, Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Windsor, better known as Queen Elizabeth II, was born. After the break, we'll wish Her Highness a very happy birthday. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. We are back, and throughout the next few months, Queen Elizabeth will be in attendance for several celebrations to honor her Platinum Jubilee, which commemorates her historic 70 years on the throne. But today is another cause for celebration as the Queen turns 96. Yesterday, she traveled from Windsor Castle to her Sandringham estate in Norfolk, about 110 miles north of London. Uh, Buckingham Palace told People that the Queen planned for a private birthday, and she's believed to be staying at the cozy five-bedroom home at Wood Farm, where she and her late husband, Philip, spent much of his retirement, which honestly sounds like a perfect way to spend your birthday with some much-needed rest and relaxation. But if you're looking for a way to celebrate with the Queen on your own, she's making an appearance like never before. In honor of her birthday and her Platinum Jubilee, Barbie announced that the Queen will have her own Barbie doll as part of the brand's tribute series collection. The collection was launched last year, and the first doll in it was that of iconic actress and comedian Lucille Ball. And starting today, for the price of just $75, you can take home your very own Queen Elizabeth Barbie. I mean, 70 years on the throne or getting your own Barbie... I don't know, which one's more impressive, right? <laughs> 
Happy birthday, Queen Elizabeth. All right, everyone, my next guest is no stranger to this show. You know him from Netflix's Queer Eye. And guys, guess what? He is heading to the next chapter in his career, a big one this time, with his very own talk show. Anyone who has seen Queer Eye and and seen him talk is like, get this guy a show already. Well, they did. (laughs) And I am pumped because we have that in common now. We got these shows going on. So cool. And I know he's excited and I'm so excited for him. So without further ado... Karamo Brown, welcome back to the show. Hey, love, how are you? I am good. I'm good. Congratulations on the TV deal. This is epic and so well-deserved. So first, set it up for us. When did you get the call? Where were you? I need to know all the things. So about, it was about in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, they said, hey, we would like to start talking to you about maybe giving you an opportunity to have your own show one day. And I was like, what? What I got to do? I ain't leave my house because it's COVID. But as long as I don't got to do that, we're fine. And they said, we just want to start talking to you, seeing if, you know, where your interests are, what you want. And we just started talking about, like, what I love to do, which is since high school, just help people. Partly, I'm nosy as hell. So I like to be in people's business. But I once I'm in their business, I want to help them. And so they were like, okay, we like that. Let's see if you can actually sit in the seat. We're going to put you on Mori a couple of times and see if, like, you can handle it. We're going to throw you to the wolves. I was like, baby, I'm prepared for this, okay? Like, I am prepared. I am ready. God has aligned me for this moment. And each taping went well. I didn't lose any of Mori's viewers. I actually added some. And then all of a sudden, like, a couple of weeks ago, they were like, we want to give you the official pickup for a talk show and I cried and cried and cried and then fell asleep and cried some more (laughs) and cried some more. I love it. When you sit down and and you think about this daytime slot, what messages do you want to focus on with your show? Well, it's a lot of what I was pushing for on Queer Eye, to be honest with you. You know, I've talked about this before. The original culture guy didn't do what I do on the show. I talk about the mental health. I talk about, you know, what's going on in real relationships. We had a guy on season four who was in a wheelchair because he was shot by a man who he never met. And when the guy got out of prison, I put them together to heal. Like, that's usually not Queer Eye type content. You know what I mean? That's reality. That's what goes on. It's the same thing with my show. Like, I want to be able to help real people who are in real situations get through them, whether it's with your friends, with your families, with someone you don't know. And let's help you to elevate your life. When I was growing up, I had a lot of things that I went through from from abuse in my household. My father used to beat my mom. I used to feel isolated and alone, feel bullied because I was only gay early on at 15. And I'm hoping to create a destination where... People can come and have fun where they can be a little nosy watching people's lives. But at the end of the day, they're going to be like, you know what? That's going on with my sister. And wow, we solved it. The beauty of what Queer Eye did for me is it taught me how to solve problems very quickly. And so I don't need two days to solve your problems, girl. You sit down, we're going to figure it out, and we got it. <laughs> oh, I love it. There's like It's going to be Grandma, yeah. Queer Eye, a little Ayanla in there. It's just going to be okay. all... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, not, not Ayala. I love Ayala, but she, she'll cuss you out. And I'm not cussing nobody that's out. True. We better have fun. That's okay? true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so where where does this put you with the Fab Five, with the quintet? I mean, we saw that, that down south season that was just so amazing that you guys put out. So how does this how does this work into the schedule? Oh, it's it's not going anywhere. Each of us have, have been blessed to have 
do other projects. Yes, mine is a daily show, but we have worked it out. I do not want to leave those four yahoos for anything. You know, I'm a big believer when God blesses you with such an amazing opportunity, you don't look that gift horse in the mouth and say, oh, like, I'm moving on to something better. You know, because I think we have that, that whole idea of like, well, look, there's something better, so let me leave this. And it's like, no, I have the energy and the space and time to do both. And so... As long as they keep asking us to come back, we're starting the next season very soon, which I'm very excited about because when we were just together for the Country Music Awards, it felt like butter, like warm butter, how we melted into each other. And I'm just ready for us to get back. And um, I'm telling you, if they say season 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you can count me in for 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So if anyone likes Queer Eye, they're going to like my talk show. On the personal front, what is going on? And will that play into this show at all? You've always been open about just everything, your your relationships and, and, and moving on, dating, all of that. Yeah, you know, I'm an open book. I, I think that the authenticity of, like, people that I respected and looked up to, like Oprah, like Montel, is because those individuals, Ricky Lake, they brought their whole self into the story and they didn't hide. I still remember those moments of, like, Oprah talking about, like, you know, her being, you know, molested and like how impactful it was for the conversation. If I leave me at home, then I'm leaving a large part of the show at home because my experiences matched with my training allows me to be like, oh, I know what you're going through. I get it. I see it. And so, no, I'm bringing myself. I'm going to talk about, <laughs> I'm talking about my business, which my man and my children are probably not going to like and my sisters are not going to like, but it's just what it is. And on the home front, I'm happy. My, my son is good. I've been in a relationship now with a guy for a year. His name is Carlos. Hey. Yes. And it's going, it's going great. I love all of this. I just cannot wait to watch you every day. How's, how's your love <laughs> life right now? How's your love it's life? Good. I was just telling them I'm in a little bit of trouble because we got our, our schedules crossed and he had to take the baby to school when he thought I was gonna take her to school. <laughs> so, oh. But I made it, I made him a breakfast burrito. Oh, that's so, adorable. Right? How old is the baby? How old is the baby? 20 months. 20 Look months at you. old. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're in the thick of it, girl. I, I listen, yes. I bow down to you because that is like something to be managing life, career, and you are doing with a smile and with a cute beat excuse me for cussing but you look great uh you look great and <laughs> so i know you. that it might be rough sometimes but you know you're doing it very well and i see Aww, you. thank you so much yeah. and i love your shirt by the way what's it say thank you black women you know what I, to be very honest with you not to go i didn't wear this purposely because we were not even supposed to be on video but i wear this shirt because the reason that i am the man i am today and the reason that i have this talk show the reason that i feel clear in my purpose the reason i'm empathetic the reason that I feel driven is only because of black women. I'm the youngest of four sisters. My mother raised me. My aunts raised me. Black women have so much pressure on. And that's why I just said to you, I see you. I acknowledge what you are doing because you make it look easy. And through your strength and through everything you've done is why literally I have the opportunity to be here. And I, I, I say that constantly. Like I am in the position I am because of black women who have guided me to be here. And I can tell you this on my show, there will not be any daytime TV disrespecting black women. There's always been a, a history of daytime TV taking black stories and not disrespecting the stories, but like making it seem clownish. 
and I have no exploiting. I just, I don't have time for that anymore. This is so exciting. I am so happy for you. You have just filled my cup for the day. Karamo, thank you so much for being on. Thank you. I'm excited. Anytime. You guys, this last story is one that I absolutely adore, and I hope you do too. I think it will be something to make you smile. Uh, College sweethearts Paul Mattingly and Laura Lee Estes got married back in September of 1980. They met during their freshman year, and according to Laura Lee, the two were the best of friends. Not too long after graduation, the couple kicked off a marriage that both now agree was destined to end. As Paul told people, we were just very young and we didn't really know how to be married. I don't think at that time. So after four years together, they divorced. Paul and Laura Lee told us that they both didn't know what they wanted in life or how to talk about small problems before they turned into major issues. So years go by, the two remained close, they tried to talk at least once a year, and Paul would still send Laura Lee flowers on their anniversary. Paul remarried, had a child, and then divorced again. Laura Lee never remarried, but led a very successful life as a school guidance counselor and private therapist. In December of 2019, Laura Lee was driving from her home in Plano, Texas to visit her parents in Georgia when she reached out to Paul, who was living in Alabama, to see if he'd like to meet for dinner. Paul agreed and told people that once he saw Laura Lee that night, it was love at second sight. Oh, I love that. I looked at her and knew it was. I looked her in the eye and I thought, this is it. After weeks of nighttime phone dates, the two rekindled their relationship, and Paul eventually moved in with Laura Lee at the beginning of the pandemic. And in February of last year, Paul and Laura Lee tied the knot for the second time. Laura Lee told people that they laugh a lot and do a much better job of communicating. She also added, sometimes I'm sad that 40 years had to pass. 40 years, you guys. And yet, I think that's part of what makes it so extra special right now. Oh, you guys, this is just so wonderful. You have to check out all of the details to this story on our website. It's part of People.com's new Real Life Love series. It's just beautiful. Well, best of luck to them this time around. And thank you all for tuning in today. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week with our Friday episode of People Every Day. <laughs> 